0: As you're listening to the following music selections, adjust the volume, bass, and treble controls to suit your tastes.
1: Welcome to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 933FM. We are speaking with Brad or Bradley. What do you prefer, sir? Well, I've
2: been asked that question so many times in the last two weeks. So I go by Brad.
1: Oh, perfect. I'm joined by Brad, who is the general manager of the up-and-coming, in perpetuity, from the sound of things or from the look of the place, Snakes and Lattes location. Uh, I don't know if it's the newest one, but it feels like the newest one in the downtown of Guelph, Ontario. How are you today, Brad?
2: Not too bad, duh. Just... Had some dinner before coming on, got a long day done, going out to vote today, and then uh, yeah, pretty pretty well overall,
1: though. Look at that, Snakes and Lattes, as far as I know, supports civic duty, unless you want to walk <laughs> that back, but it'd be a weird thing to do that. Uh, so why don't we get things going with the question I like to ask all our guests is, Brad, what have you been playing recently?
2: Uh, recently, well, this weekend did a bit of a family game night, so we busted out some some classics, did a ticket to ride game, did a little bit of animals on animals for the younger kid. Um, then for me personally, been doing got some D and d on the go, um, you know with the with the friends where it's a little bit more, uh, we'll say intensive than uh, the <laughs> games I mentioned. Uh, doing some diplomacy with them, which is one that we've been kind of carrying on since high school. so wow.
1: well, how old are your kids?
2: uh i got one that's 12 and one that's five
1: okay so that's interesting age group there so the five year old obviously it must be a little tricky finding something uh that they enjoy but uh what about your 12 year old do uh, do they gravitate towards something
2: yeah he's uh he's more um on the chess side of it so oh, i wow. you know i i he he spends a lot of time on the computer so in the minecraft and the typical 12 year old thing mm-hmm. but um uh Brought home some copies of Onitama and the hmm. Duke for him to try out, just to give him some variants on it. Sure. Um, he ended up kicking my butt at Onitama, so that was great to see.
1: <laughs> it always is nice when you teach somebody game and they just crush you at it. That's right. uh, have you, th- considered Hive? Hive? No, no. I
2: haven't thought give about that one yet.
1: Give it a shot. See, and have you played it?
2: No, I haven't. That'd be a new one to me too. So.
1: All right. It's a. Uh... I think it's saying a lot to try to compare it to chess because chess is its own thing. But I think as far as abstract strategy games go, it's it's got a lot going on for it. So it might be... Uh, and it looks really good too. Very tactile. So maybe the five-year-old might enjoy it even if they're not playing it properly. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, So let's get into it then. Uh, snakes and Lattes. Um, I know a little bit about it. Um, I know that it is... The go-to in most people's heads, if you bring up the name of Board Game Cafe, uh, how many locations do you guys have uh, across Ontario right now?
2: So within Ontario, there is we'll be the fourth here in Guelph. So there's three mm-hmm. in uh, three in Toronto, all basically in the the downtown area. There's one uh, in the annex on blur Street, one on College, which is just down the road from U of T, and then there's also one uh, up in in the midtown area of toronto so those are the three canadian locations with uh guelph coming in to be the newest addition the first one outside of toronto um for the canadian location so that's really exciting for us
1: and what about because you, you keep saying canadian do you have a u.s presence
2: yeah actually there is some um th- one, two there's actually three locations stateside as well um, oh interesting i had no idea yeah they're um Obviously, because the company got its start in Toronto, and that's where everything really um, sort of caught fire, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, they, we do have a presence in the states, but it's a little bit, um, I guess, smaller in the sense that the name's not as big there. But we've got one in Chicago, um, which is actually uh, a location that we obtained um, through the guys who, the creators of Cards Against Humanity. So huh. that was uh, they. Uh, they wanted to get out of the game cafe industry once they sort of struck it a bit rich with their game and so they they sold off to us there's one in chicago um one in Tempe, which is in arizona i believe and then i'm missing one there's one more stateside one
1: that's all right well tell us about your background and how you got into your current line of work or at least your connection to uh the board gaming i'd say beyond the hobby you're in the, the board game business now
2: yeah it was um sort of a, a great marriage of skills my practical skills and my uh my personal interests um to to find this opportunity for guelph because for years and years you know even when i was uh an undergrad undergrad oddly enough you know right here in, in guelph i did my my uh undergrad at ug and hmm. then um did some post-grad work in conestoga and all throughout that when i was doing all my schooling it was always there's always a side of work with it and a side of business management and especially hospitality and uh restaurant management. So Mm -hmm. um that's kind of where I'm I come from in that sense is I'm I've got a lot of background in, you know, the hospitality industry, which when you're dealing with a concept like um stinks and lattes is still very, very important. Yes, people are coming in to, you know, play games and either hang out with their friends or their family or a date night, but you really need to be able to not only tap into why they want to be there and what games they want to play and draw that out of them but you've got to give them a really good and hospitable experience as well mm-hmm. um so i just found that uh you know when i was approached about this opportunity especially in the guelph area an area that i'm familiar with and you know i've really enjoyed spending some of my younger years in, it was a perfect match i thought for me to to combine the two and kind of get take a run at it so
1: So do you have a previous experience then with snakes and lattes or were you headhunted and, or is this your first sort of a crack at the uh, kick at the cans, so to speak?
2: It's very much my first sort of kick at the can with them. Um, I actually incidentally found the, the job posting just while perusing one day. And I thought, I know that name. And I was like, you know, I I was like, so I looked into it and then, um, you know, the rest was kind of just history and I got in from them. So this will be my first, uh, employment experience you know with them but uh I think it's going to be a you know a great fit and I think my years of experience mixed with their their presence in in the you know the the game board community with the, even the the hobbyists and the the you know the more casual families I think it's going to be a, a really it's a really an exciting time um to provide this you know to the community cuz the location we're in was formerly the boardroom here in Guelph mm-hmm. um so to kind of bring that back, because even, you know, through interviews um, from my staff that I've been hiring and talking to people in the community, there's a lot of positive buzz about it. Because even, you know, when it was a boardroom, people loved to go in there and they, they had nothing but great stories to say. And they're they're really looking forward to having this back in the downtown area.
1: Well, I guess it's uh, I should divulge that uh, I, I think he was on the show once, uh, maybe twice. Uh, one of the former owners of the boardroom uh, is uh, an acquaintance of ours and uh, I, I spent some time there at the boardroom as well with uh, you know various sort of events and get-togethers, and uh, one of the other owners was the first person to ever introduce me to Advanced Civilization, a game that I, I, it blew my mind existed and has since then become kind of this top-ten design of all time, so I'm, I'm very grateful for the, the memories for myself that these sorts of places have provided, but right now, I, I don't know if I, I'm going to feel comfortable doing this to you but i'm gonna hit you with the shotgun blast right away why are you opening it right now when it is seems like such a precarious time for any business in this sort of realm to be opening
2: um i guess the the best answer i can kind of give you to that one is even with all the things that are going on with the COVID restrictions and still kind of being in in the pandemic because honestly we're not doesn't look like we're out of it yet um businesses got to keep moving there's you know things that have you know been signed and agreements that have been made and you know to be a responsible you know business person you've got to fulfill those even sometimes if it's not at the the best time in the world of what's going on it's just sometimes you got to push through and really throw all your cards on the table and just hope it hope it catches and hope you can push through it so, I'm, sh-
1: I'm sure you're going to do quite well based on your uh, CV, and it sounds like your experience with the, the hobby itself. But are are there any worries that you know a month from now uh, they could pull the plug again and everything shut down again?
2: Always, there's always that concern, and even with my prior experiences before coming to uh, to Snakes and Lattes, it was it was always it was always a concern. It didn't you didn't know what was going on. Uh, month to month or even at times when everything first sort of started even week to week really and it it made it hard to to manage the business in the sense um, of what are you going to do with your inventory levels if all of a sudden you're shut down and what are you going to do about all these people who you've employed and you've made these connections with it, it wasn't and it still isn't an easy an easy time really to, to navigate but really what I've kind of learned throughout this is that you've you've got to be A, on top of what's going on and especially what the government's pushing out um, in terms of restrictions and, you know, doing everything properly so everyone stays safe, um, but you've also got to find ways to keep your business moving even when things might get shut down. Um, and for us, thankfully, we do have um, a retail section and we can provide, you know, take out coffee and take out uh, to food to patrons who would still want that should another, hopefully not, fingers crossed, another Mm. lockdown roll around. Um, So yeah, it's it's really just about being able to pivot and make decisions quickly to do what you can to keep yourself on your feet.
1: Sure. With regard to the former occupants of the building, the boardroom, um, obviously they opened up, and I think it was... Uh, a month, maybe after the roundtable set up shop. Um, the roundtable, of course, being the other board game cafe in Guelph. Um, have you had any sort of interaction with those guys at all, or uh, any contact?
2: Uh, not so much yet. I've personally, I haven't reached out to the to them yet. I I do plan to. It's just you know, with as I kind of mentioned when I when we started, it's just. Getting everything ready to open the business has been pretty pretty busy. So there's still some community connections I need to make. Um I definitely think that, you know, to speak to the guys from the round table and kind of see where we can line up and maybe make some opportunities or, you know, even promote each other in a certain way. Because with a community like Guelph, and I think that the two locations in the sense of what Snakes and Lattes likes to offer and what what the round table kind of is all about. You know, we're different enough that I don't think we're going to be cannibalizing each other. I really think mm. that um, there's there's room for you know two sheriffs in town, if you will. I can use that. <laughs> like
1: that. Yeah, sure. I like it.
2: Um, so, you know, definitely a group I've I've got I got to reach out to, and I probably will this week, just even with our our opening coming up. Um, and I I've always been one to work with the businesses around me, um, especially when you're in a smaller city or a smaller town working with the businesses, even the similar businesses that are running sort of the same concept as you, having good relationships with them and, you know, knowing what each other's about and having an open conversation is, is, you know, really good. At the end of the day we're not you know, we we don't wanna see anybody, you know, lose their, you know, a dream of theirs and something that they're really passionate about, especially in an industry, uh, with a board game cafe like this, we wanna make sure that, you know, at least for me personally, that it's really important that we're all succeeding. And if it's, you know, maybe sharing a few minor tips or, you know, saying like, oh, we're doing this on this night, maybe you guys can do something on a separate night, you know, just so we're not, like I said, not kind of
1: stepping on each other's you. toes.
2: Exactly. Right.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess it's a common sort of fallacy that, uh, you know, any competition is a zero sum game when in reality to providers, whether it's a restaurant or, you know, a retail environment, uh if done properly can create plenty of business for both people if not more with a good image but uh, with regard to separating the two you you described that you you're doing different things um and i also apologize because i feel like i've stepped over one of the biggest little parts here with the uh, and i think probably the main reason you're even speaking to me right now is when is snakes and lattes opening
2: uh we're looking for next wednesday so the 29th of september will be our first day open
1: and is there any special, any promo that's going to get some butts in the door?
2: Yeah, uh, stay tuned. I'm actually having uh, orientation with my a good chunk of my staff tomorrow, and I want them to be involved in that process and give because I've got ideas of myself, but I kind of mm-hmm. want I kind of want their input, and maybe they've got a great idea I haven't thought of yet. So definitely, we'll have some some fun stuff going on, which we'll put out on our social media and you know other channels once we've kind of finalized it. But uh, yeah, the 29th will definitely be the date.
1: OK, so just before we go for any further, please shill your social media for us.
2: Sure. Uh, we're on all the all the, ma- the platforms, you know, Instagram. Um, we got our Twitter account going, Facebook. If it's social media, if you're, you're going to find us, just look it up, you know, Snakes and Lattes, um, you'll find us. A lot of the stuff obviously right now is going to be posted about the Toronto locations and some of the events and stuff they've got going on. But Guelph will be making it splash uh, soon enough.
1: Excellent. Uh, so, what I was going to ask before uh, before I attempted to fix my mistakes from previously in this interview is how would you separate what snakes and latte does versus, let's say, uh, what the round table or perhaps even the boardroom does or did?
2: Uh, and this might fall on me a bit because, like I said, I haven't had a really a chance to to sit and talk to the guys from the round table yet. But mm-hmm. from my understanding, just from what I've heard from the community, is that their um, they're driven a little bit more towards the sort of the hobbyists and the tabletop role-playing. They have a lot of D and D content I see. Um, and it's not that we won't, you know, have that for the, the you know, your heavy strategy games and whatever it is, but I feel that snakes and lattes is a little bit more casual in the sense that if you, like if you wanted to come in and you wanted to run a, you know, four hour game of, you know, pick, you know, choose one. If uh, it's a mechs and minions, cause that's, when I was playing mm-hmm. with my kids the other day, you know, if oh, you wow. want to play, if you want to play like a, you know, four hour campaign style game, yes, absolutely. We got, uh, you know, spot for you to go come in and do that. But what I've seen, at least from the clientele that goes into the Toronto locations, is that it's more of the casual base in the sense that you get a lot of people who come in just to play your your American classic games, um, you know, your Monopolies, your Guess Who's, your Connect Fours, all really, really super popular. And, um, so I just, I, I from what I understand, and I could be totally off base with this, and I hope I'm not, it's just that um, the roundtable is a little bit more um, hobbyist and a little bit more on the, the, the heavier strategy side of things than we are.
1: Okay. I'll, I'll lay off the, uh, the roundtable questions and uh, try to get more on base with uh, Snakes and Lattes itself. But describe what the experience is going to be like for people and what they can expect when they come into... The newest location of Snakes and Lattes in Guelph.
2: Absolutely. So it's, uh, it's a smaller location, probably going to seat around sixty or or seventy. To um, come in, there will be an admission fee to to pay. That obviously gives you access to our entire game library, which at the moment is about five hundred games. Um, but we're always building and swapping out games. And
1: sorry, right, I just I need to be clear. Did you say only five hundred?
2: Yeah, only about five hundred.
1: Yeah, that's. <laughs> I feel like that's a humble brag, Brad, but it's all right. That's fine. You can keep going.
2: Um, so yeah, so it gives access to our, our library here in Guelph, um, which helps, you know, um, it, not only does it give our guests access to the library, but also helps pay for, you know, maintenance and keeping the library not only up to date, but keeping it maintained because you know, you get a lot of people coming in playing games and not, not everyone takes the care and the you know, the the gentle hand that some games desire, mm-hmm. and you know mistakes mm-hmm. happen. so um, so that's kind of what the the admission fee covers. and then we do have a you know drink, coffee, and food menu to offer it out to everyone and um the idea coming in is we really want to provide you or all of our guests with um with a great experience. because um, we find that a lot of people will come in as I, I I did mention they're they're more of the casual ones looking for your, their monopolies and the risks. but we have dedicated staff, and as even the servers who are all quite knowledgeable, looking to maybe suggest games to them or draw games out of them that they hadn't tried yet, or haven't thought of to try, or might just not know because they're not that deep into the hobby. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really a part of the experience that I want to push here in Guelph. Is that you know if you come in and you're You've always played this one sort of game with your friends and you love it, but maybe you don't know about something that's very similar to it, um, which you might just have as much fun with. And that's where the staff and I kind of want to, you know, not forcefully draw that out. If you want to come in with your date and play forcefully. Candyland, <laughs> I, like if you want to come in and play Candyland for three hours, then sure, you know, go ahead, do your thing. But well, we know time, the
1: relationship's <laughs> a failure at that point anyway, so they might as well just quit
2: yeah, we want to you know be able to suggest games,
1: always
2: um, mm-hmm. people to you know certain parts of the hobby that they might not have known about. Um, and just really you know, make sure that they're having a good time while they're there, not only that they're having a good time, but that hopefully you know they they learn a couple things, maybe find out some games that they didn't know existed. And it just helps grow the the community and the hobby that way. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously you know from a business side we hope that there'll be return guests but even if you're exposing someone to something that you they didn't know and it's something that you're passionate about that that on its own is a reward too
1: so board games are they're kind of in this I think we'd all most people in the hobby can agree that this is kind of a I don't want to say renaissance but it's kind of a golden age in a sense um, they've never been more popular uh, some of the the biggest games uh to ever be released, are coming out on a frequent basis. Every other day, there seems to be another... It maybe slowed down a little bit, maybe last year, to, or not last year, probably two, three years ago, it was insane. Um, but it seems like these Kickstarters are making more and more money. But on the on other side of that is that these games get more and more expensive too. And from the perspective of somebody who uh, can quit any time, by the way, uh, <laughs> I know how expensive they are. And it's It's difficult to you know test these games without either having somebody else who can quit any time but manage to buy it or uh, just you know biting the bullet yourself. So I've always thought that's a neat aspect of these board game cafes is the ability to try some of these games maybe before you buy them ideally uh, and but is that a a business side that? Uh, is Snakes and Lattes aims for, or do you think it's mostly kind of the lighter stuff that somebody walks in and they played Code Names for the first time, and lo and behold, there's a copy for sale as well.
2: Um, that's you know that's a possibility. I wouldn't say that's our our model in the sense that we're you know if we can, if we, someone loves the game enough that they want to buy a copy copy retail, hopefully we've got it on the shelf for them. <laughs> that's kind mm. of uh, kind of how we approach that. But um, you know with With what you're saying with how how expensive it it is to you know maintain or to keep and own some of these games for yourself and with you know unless you're really into the hobby and justifying that cost can be be difficult especially you know when maybe economically things aren't the best for everybody um the fact that we can provide that to people that they can come in um or even with students on campus so they've got you know a copy of a large campaign game that That they love to play at home with their group of friends but now that they're here on campus they didn't want to bring it Mm -hmm. and we've we've got it here for them that they can come in and you know play it once a week or Mm -hmm. however much they'd like i think that that is also i think that's more so what we kind of strive for than trying to you know capitalize on that 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 retail sale um obviously like i said if we can make it absolutely great fantastic we'll take it um but it's more about just having a, a place that you know people can come and share a good time and Play some games that either they've they've known for years and love or just sort of you know finding out for the first time,
1: okay. Well, I'm going to put you on the spot, and I'm going to do a uh, a little test here because okay. my understanding, like you've described, is that running in board game cafe, you have to get people to walk in and say, oh, uh, what well, gee, what's a good game? i've I'm looking at this stuff. What's this?" Uh, Agricola. Oh, that looks good for me and little Billy. Do you want to play that Billy? Uh, so I walk in and I say, I'd like to play a game. What happens next?
2: Well, that's actually uh, pretty common, uh, especially what I've noticed in, in Toronto. So, you know, if we get people who are walking in, um, we've got dedicated, uh, we call them game experts, who they'll be the ones who who come up and talk to, you know, dad and little billy there and mm-hmm. you know ask them uh ask them some questions you know like um you know how many players are you looking for what is you know what type of mood are you guys in do you want something silly do you <laughs> want something do you want something strategic yeah. do you want something competitive do you want something cooperative yeah do you like do you like lying to people do you uh-huh. like like so we try to not use a bunch of you know industry jargon and mm-hmm. Maybe scare people, scare people off that way. Because with anything with a hobby, if you start throwing out all the, oh the, yeah, the words, they're going to be like, "I have no idea what you're talking about," and then you've lost them entirely. Um, so for us, you know, it's kind of it, it is a bit of a two way street. Like, yes, we'll we'll interact with you, you know, ask you some some questions, um, and try to direct you to what we feel would be a game that you'll have a good time with. Um, depending on how they they sort of answer and how you read it it's it's like even giving you know a game to your friends you've got something that mm-hmm. you're really really passionate about that you're like i love this game you know what guys we got to sit down this weekend we got to learn it mm-hmm. play a couple rounds um, cuz it's it just seems that you know when you're doing that for people that you you don't necessarily know or don't know how in deep how deep into the hobby they are you've got to kind of Make that choice for them, but give them options as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know sometimes you'll 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 take the time to to go through with the guests, and you'll learn, you know they like light strategy and they like this, and they like the other thing. So you can narrow it down to, you know, I'll just use ticket to ride because I played it this weekend. you, know, you can <laughs> you can narrow it down to, you know, this family would probably really enjoy ticket to ride. and then sure, you come back and you know they're not enjoying it. And that's kind of things for us in our roles is that, you know, you can, you can, we call it pitching the game and you can uh-huh. teach the game. And then if it falls flat, you've got to kind of learn from that and move on and be like, okay, that didn't work, guys. Why don't we try this one instead? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, kind of swap it around for them. Um, definitely a hard lesson that, that I learned and um, doing a bit of my training and getting, I know where with, this is going. <laughs> getting getting acquainted with the company is that your favorite game. There it is. It's is not everybody else's favorite game and um you definitely learn that
1: lesson the hard way a couple times it's i i think anyone who's into the hobby at all quickly learns <laughs> like, yeah absolutely you, you just you cannot shove your favorites especially the longer your game is it's you start to really start to pick your fights and uh more carefully but you, you've addressed something that i think is an interesting aspect of your business that um it, Kind of like a, a wine sommelier, or someone whose job it is is to pair things with the um, the the people, the guests, the patron. Uh, the board game sort of connoisseur or um, the person who's recommending it to other people, you're you're kind of doing a very quick sort of carnival cold read on somebody and hoping for the best. Um, do you ever feel that the stakes are higher? in the sense of people are coming in because they know it is a board game cafe. So when they come in, you really have to be very careful with what you recommend, because let's say, let's go back to ticket to ride, for example, you recommend ticket to ride. And I, I think you and I would both agree. It's a, it's a, I'd put it as a light family game, Yeah. but, yeah. but that's because we've been around the bush once or twice. So I think maybe depending on how I, I speak, you would give a different recommendation, mm-hmm. but is there ever a bigger problem that, you you recommend a game that's such a flop, or too easy, or nobody has a good time at, and it just almost, like, you've lost a customer in a permanent sense, because they just don't, they're like, ah, uh, board game's too complicated, or they're boring, and I'm out of here again.
2: Yeah, it's definitely um, a very real part of the, the industry, and in, in the board game cafe, and that kind of even ties back to just hospitality mm-hmm. in, in general, because um, if you're going out, you know, for to a restaurant for a meal, mm-hmm. you, you choose where you want to go to eat. You know, sometimes it's just I'm super hungry. Let's stop here. But with our sort of concept with the board game cafes, it's more so that people are choosing to come here for a night out, for a date, for a family night, and they're paying that admission fee. So that pressure is definitely present and there. And just like anything else in hospitality, it's a it's something you've always got to be aware of: is that you you can't please everyone. Um, no matter how hard you try and how good your attention, like, your intentions are to to provide mm-hmm. them with that time, you're you're always going to lose somebody. It's it's just inevitable. It's just it's just the way the the industry tends to work. But I think you know being able to to minimize that and you know narrow in on their their interests and what they like and what type of game they're after mm-hmm. really helps minimize that as opposed to just having them wander in. Stare at our library with you know wide eyes because they've never seen this many board games before in their life and they've never mm-hmm. even heard of half of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why it's so important to you know to facilitate that that conversation and that uh, that recommendation to them. Um, but yeah, at the same time, it's very much a reality that some people are just hard to read, um, or if, and if they're not hard to read, it's just everyone's everyone's got a bad night and some of you all your pitches mm-hmm. might just fall flat and mm-hmm. you know that's 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 part of the business so
1: well you guys are licensed right absolutely well there you go the night just got easier <laughs> unless <laughs> i don't yeah. know maybe some of those trader games get a little boisterous though after about uh, four beers but you never know um, yeah. the the last thing i think before uh, we can we can call it is to basically i'll give you a chance to to welcome people to snakes and lattes and when you guys open up and uh, we can also touch back and uh, when we find out about what sort of promotion you might be running on opening Mm -hmm. night but i'll let you i'll i'll let you roll at the red carpet for the listeners
2: (laughs) all right great so yeah snakes and lattes guelph opening september 29th uh, in downtown guelph so come check us out. We'll definitely have some specials and some promos going on to to entice you guys to come in. I've got a a great set of staff that I've built up over the last couple of weeks who have been in the area who are not only really passionate about gaming, but really passionate about hospitality and providing everyone with a great night out. Um, And we really hope that if you're a hobbyist and really, really into the board game community, that you'll come check us out and um, you know, maybe chat with me, chat with some of my staff about what your favorites are, and uh, let us know maybe what we can add to our library and some up-and-comers up- that maybe I'm a little bit uh, unaware of. And at the same time, you know, date nights, family nights, come on in. We'll uh, we'll make sure that you guys are having a good time, suggest some good games. Um, I find that Love Letter is a great game to to give to couples to get them to break the ice. I I'm no, it's a card game, but still. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I'm just super excited to be a part of the community again and, you know, be in Guelph and and providing, you know, this opportunity for everyone. And I really think that um, it's it's going to go well. And I, I'm very, very, very excited.
1: Outstanding. Well, I'm excited for you guys. Um, I'm a huge supporter of small businesses. Uh, both my parents run their own and i think this is a fantastic opportunity to pick up where the boardroom left off and i would be lying if i said that i hadn't thought about breaking in there and stealing all the games i've been sitting there untouched for <laughs> several years now just gathering dust from what i imagine so check out snakes and lattes um look on their official twitter feed i imagine does the official website have a guelph link yet
2: it does not, but it will. Um, we are listed. We're still listed as coming soon, but uh, as soon as uh, I finalize everything this week, we'll be we'll have that updated
1: and good to go. Excellent. So check them out online. All your favorite websites and social media sections. Uh, it it is there, or will be specifically there imminently. Uh, come once, come twice. Tell all your friends and your loved ones and go and play some good board games and support a small business that is opening up in a tricky time, but they promise it's going to be a good one. So Snakes and Lattes, Guelph. It's nice chatting with you, Brad.
2: Absolutely. Thank you very much. Great to chat with you as well.
1: Welcome back to Android's Dungeon on CFRU 93.3 FM. Bit of a jump here. You just heard three tracks from a throwback, the Ren and Stimpy production albums. So Joel is in the studio, and by studio I mean his room now. Joel, did you watch Ren and Stimpy when you were growing up?
0: Yeah. Stimpy. You idiot!
1: <laughs> There's just such a big gap between the question and your answer and <laughs> just the, the one you. Yeah. Like... <laughs> I, I never like grew like up for, with it because uh, it was like a Nickelodeon like the early
0: thing. times when they did like satellite conversations with people in Australia or something, and they would ask them a question a big gap, over the TV. Yeah. And, That's, uh-huh. right, uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Sharon. <laughs> I'm standing here outside the... <laughs>
1: You know what's funny is they still do that with like the remote interviews with the newscasters. You'll see that there's always enough of a delay that they, they have to sit there and kind of just there's that awkward sort of moment where they're just processing information and nodding along dumbly and then it's like and then they launch into it. But it's funny how in the Year of the Lord twenty twenty one they have not solved that delay issue yet. But who knows? Maybe the really fancy news networks have it. But anyway, uh Ren Stimpy, uh classic uh, 90s cartoon that I think a lot of parents didn't let their kids watch because it was so deranged, so over the top. I wasn't allowed to watch it simply because I didn't have a satellite dish. I didn't have access to Nickelodeon. Unlike, it seems no. like, uh, my cousins. I don't know. Did you have a satellite dish? Lucky cousins. Yeah. Uh,
0: no, but we got like Teletoon and that had it, I think. Oh, yeah.
1: At some
0: point during the day. Or into the night.
1: I think it was into the you night. because into it was so the disturbing. Night. It yeah. was
0: just like all holds are like. I don't know why. Like certain stations had rules up until a certain time, and then it was just like, all right, let's put on you know, uh, Robot Chicken or uh, Ren and
1: Stimpy. Or... Well, there's that a... one with the. Anyway, uh-huh. there were some crude ones. <laughs> well, especially Teletoon in the so. For viewers, listeners, uh, people who are scrambling in the dark, deaf and dumb, it's the, the the world of Canadian television was a wild west for a long time. And when the specialty channels came out, they were mimicking the specialty channels from the states. But all of a sudden, you went from basic cable being up to like channel twenty nine to all of a sudden you went up to like fifty, fifty plus, and you had channels mm-hmm. like Space and Teletoon and uh, Comedy Network. And Those were the really the the trifecta of good ones. Like growing up, it was like obviously you had YTV and Global and uh, some some of these other ones, but Space and Teletoon in particular were like they you could tell that they had this weird chaotic energy to them that they had just it's it's almost like they gave a bunch of money, yep. but not enough, but an, a, enough money uh, a bunch of money to people who didn't really know what to do with it and they're just going for broke. So they'd like repeats of Star Trek and Lost in Space and Doctor Who. And then they started showing weird movies. And Teletoon was Scooby-Doo, that weird animated Donkey Kong. Um, and and then after like 9 o'clock, like Joel was saying, with some of these channels like Showcase, which was infamous for uh, if you're of a certain age and uh, sex, uh, you, you definitely paid <laughs> attention to these channels after a certain points. But at 9 o'clock, like Joel was saying, that's when all things got weird. <laughs> and uh, it was... It's because I think people stopped paying attention to what they were putting on the air. <laughs> anyway, Ren and Stimpy. You can do it uh, with anything, yeah. Uh, speaking yeah, so of what is the song? Well, there's three tracks. So the first one is "Man About the Town." Next one is "Shopping Street," and the third is my favorite, uh, and also the intro music too. Uh, do you ever play Toonstruct? the uh, the the adventure game starring Christopher Lloyd? No, <laughs> spooky, Christopher Lloyd, Yeah, it was uh, produced by uh, Ver- published by Virgin Interactive and produced by Burst, I think. But starred Christopher Lloyd, and it had mm. Dan Castellaneta as the your sidekick, Tim Curry, all these famous uh, voice actors and actors showing up in this production. Great game, very bizarre, great sense of humor, but it, it epitomized the era of cartoon violence and silliness. But, um. Before we went to the musical break, we had an interview with Brad over at the upcoming Snakes and Lattes location, Guelph edition. Now that Joel's back from his excursion to BC, Joel, what have you been playing recently? Adventures. Yeah. Well, we
0: brought, you know, the usuals. We had, you know, Welcome 2 and DC4 and uh, Gizmos and all the games we've already talked about before. But I do have one game that I learned on my voyage to the West Coast, Best Coast. It's a coast, uh, yeah. And you're probably not going to guess it. Uh, uh, but I'll give you some clues.
1: Okay, I'll do my best.
0: Um, it was the 2018 thematic game of the year for Mm-hmm. Or game... What is it? Geek Awards? Something like that. Oh, Golden, Golden Geek, Geek stuff, yeah. Um, it's a heavy game. Which oh. surprised me, actually. Because my little sister... You know, not exactly the type that I thought would be playing four or five hour games. No. And they say, Joel, you gotta try this game. We've really get, been getting into it. Um it's it's a bit heavy on the theme i mean it did win thematic game but it's definitely one of those games where you can't be like well i'm gonna come into this like an 18xx and run my strategy and you know do my thing it's kind of it there is some strategy involved but it's kind of a the game plays you kind of thing Mm -hmm. um it was a big kickstarter hmm you getting warmer
1: 2018 though,
0: themed after probably one of your favorite science fiction
1: movies. I'm gonna guess. Huh. Uh, I I'm really I'm I'm feeling at a am <laughs> No, I um, I, have, I have no clue. A Kickstarter a that's cat it is. is it? It's it's and a spaceship. I don't think it's like Alien, but. Uh...
0: Yeah, there you go. So it's not Alien the board game, but it might as well be.
1: It's not Nemesis, is uh, it? it?
0: It's Nemesis. Yeah.
1: Okay. So you got. so you finally got to play it. Yeah. All right. So what did you what did you think of Nemesis?
0: I thought it was really cool. Uh, it wasn't really like a like a strategy game, like I said. So you got to come in into it with that certain expectation. Mm-hmm. And for the cost, obviously, I would never recommend it. <laughs> but. Um, like really awesome miniatures and mm-hmm. i think the guy that had bought into it it's funny that like unfathomable is number 1 on the hotness cuz i see a lot of similarities here uh uh-huh. um the cuz i mean it is a bit like secret betrayal on a spaceship except in yeah. this uh, case it's a ship ship and yeah. obviously uh, this is a remake of uh
1: you're talking about Unfathomable?
0: Dark, not Dark Moon, but. Uh, Battlestar
1: Galactica?
0: Battlestar Galactica, yeah, which was. Who's who's the secret Cylon, right? Yeah. So, um, in this one, it's the, we're, you are still playing against the game, so you can think of it like Dead of Winter. Ooh. But. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you also all are given secret objectives. Mm hmm. Um, so you might your objective might be something as innocuous as survive with somebody else. Yeah. Right? You only win if if you have a partner. One might be go to the signal room and send a secret message. But then some of them are, are a little nefarious, like make sure the ship po- is pointed to Mars. Whereas you know, like normally, if the ship isn't pointed, if the ship is pointed to any one of the three locations that isn't Earth, yeah, you all lose this one person just wants to get to Mars for whatever, for research or whatever. One is, you know, you got to have an egg or something, bring an egg with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so everyone's got their sort of side quest, which they must do, but then at the same time, you're all working together, and it's kind of just uh, it's a big ship, and you have to go around. To, there's three engines, and at least two of the engines need to be in working order, and then you need to go to the command station, the... Uh, what do you call a ship's um, bridge? navigation room? Yeah, the bridge. You have to go to the bridge and make sure that uh, the ship's navigating to Earth. If you do those three things, uh, aside from the side objectives, you can just go back to sleep and you win. Sounds pretty simple, right?
1: Oh, it, I easy. There's aliens easy. on
0: board. Oh, <laughs> damn. They
1: just couldn't let you.
0: Yeah, so every time you move, and it's not alien, one alien, it's lots of them. Every time you move, you generate noise, and you put down noise tokens. And anywhere, anytime you generate noise and there's already a noise token, then an alien shows up. Mm-hmm. They're really big and strong, and you have weapons so you can fight them off, but it's pretty devastating to fight one of them. Um, and they'll also put corruption in your deck, which once you draw into your hand, you're not allowed to discard. So you're drawing up to five cards each turn. And so if you're drawing four cards, three cards, two cards, you're really handicapped. Mm -hmm. Uh, So you have to find ways to get rid of those cards. And then sometimes if you search through one of those cards and one of them has the word infection on it, then, um, then you're infected. And eventually, you know, like a face hugger will jump out of your stomach. I got some pictures here for you. Uh, I found. So here's the designer, because he looks like a real uh,
1: cool dude. Oh, oh man!
0: <laughs> just posted. He's like the kind of a uh, guy that would make a minis game.
1: Well, it's, if anyone's ever seen the Giga Chad meme, this is. Uh, it's like staring in yeah. the mirror. Uh,
0: here's some of the minis. So these are the characters you can be, and the aliens. And I remember I went to the. Uh, I was a scout and I went straight to the the main deck and I was going to find out where we were going and then the queen showed up, that the big figure. Right away? <laughs> Immediately, yeah, because you roll for it.
1: I thought it's supposed to be tiered, though, that she won't show up until... Uh... It's like you put stuff into the bag as you as you take. Yeah, right. yeah. You
0: put stuff into the bag, so it's a pretty low chance she'll come out. But I think after after the first adult shows up or something, then she's in the bag. Yeah. Wow. And then That's here's the little the kitty. I thought you'd like this. This is the first player token. Yeah, it's, it's a, little a little kitty that uh, rides around on a robot. And then, it's... yeah, the cards I was telling you about, they're like these. So they're like kind of, you know, that kind of mystery thing. And then you have to put them through a scanner to find out if you're infected.
1: Well, Joel, I'm not sure if you remember. I've I, I played this before. You've played Nemesis? Yeah, we talked about it even.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, how'd you like it?
1: <laughs> I, I, I enjoyed it. I just, it it was, a, um, it, it felt like, the, so the noise stuff kind of reminded me of Pandemic in the sense of that you're just, you're very cautious of what's happening and where and yeah it's in the, there's this kind of like oh god no no i don't want that to happen and then you've got like you're saying that those sort of uh, i think dead of winter is a closer comparison to the objectives because frankly i think unless you get good at the game or really know what you're doing i felt like the objectives felt re- kind of random and, the, and it's like okay yeah. i hope i do it and if i don't i'm not really i don't care i'm not just having i'm just here for the fun uh don't um, you
0: need to do the objective
1: well, it's I thought you there's like a global objective you can do and if it comes down to it I think your if your seeker objective goes like someone wins but I'm just at the uh, end of the day I think even if that's totally off base I I just felt like I was just happy to just try and like go in a direction and not get killed and yeah. uh and I, I was enjoying it it's the it, it felt tense and it and minus how complicated it looked at the beginning i think it felt fairly streamlined like it, it the turn what it took a couple rounds but once you understand or have somebody explaining properly the the turns work um and like you're saying the like the production just kind of carries the game minus the fact i find things a little too dark and i understand it's thematic but i found the contrast on some of the cards and the all right, I think he's back. Uh, I ju- it just felt kind of like I was staring at the board sometimes, trying to f- like physically understand what I was looking at versus play the game at times. Uh, that could have just been maybe I was playing it in the bright sunlight of the summer or the spring, and just like it, it just wasn't. Popping. How long did it, it take you? I think f- from start to finish, I think it took us about three and a half hours or something. Um, Pretty good. And I, I think, I think we, we, ca- we called it though because we. Oh okay it was just starting to get late and uh, i think the dogs were starting to <laughs> get tired of what we were doing so but i could have easily seen it being like another hour and a half so
0: yeah that's that's about what we do i think we started at eight thirty 30 and finished just before one mm-hmm so I guess these guys are always playing like tough guys because they, to them, it's like you have to do your objective. If you don't do your objective, you lose. No,
1: no, they're they're probably totally right. It's just my understanding, or when I was playing it, just the objective was almost like, oh, if I manage to do this, great. <laughs> huh. but, but what? But okay. was how so many times did they played it? But
0: yeah, so they have played it about four times. And in their view of the game, it was just like the game is so hard, no one's ever succeeded. Huh. That was kind of their mentality. So they have never won. Really? Uh, Nemesis, or like not even an in- individual of them has won with their secret objective. So huh. I thought, you know, like if that's if you're having such a hard time, why not just take out the secret objectives? Yeah. And just play the game one time, just straight up, so that you can actually yeah, yeah. do the research where you take the egg and the alien body and the human mm-hmm. body and you take them to the lab and you get those things because those weaknesses are like game changing, massive things.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, that's anyway. it. <laughs> they, I like the push and pull with regard to. There are some games I think the traitor element is just kind of tacked on or not really there. And I think if you're playing it properly, that. You want to, if you're, let's say, not necessarily the traitor in the sense of, like, um, like, let's say my objective is kill Joel. I don't want to immediately start a fight with him, because, great, I killed Joel. Yeah. I still have to win the game. Everyone else is going to team up on you. Yeah, and it's and it's also, like, you're down a character. It's, like, you need to... Now it's going to be tougher than ever, perhaps. Ooh. So, um,
0: it, well, I don't know if you know this, but um, when the first person dies... The, uh, the AI goes crazy and yeah. all the escape pods open up.
1: Oh, is it when the so when some? Because I remember I thought like there's enough damage to the ship or something. The uh, the escape pods There is open also
0: too. that like the self destruct sequence hits yeah. a certain hits six <laughs> six turns or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it's a neat game. It's just I think the issue is it's so bloody expensive and big. It's so that, expensive. Then it's the guy. Tough
0: to... The guy that was there had bought every little. Add-on and had dropped eight hundred dollars on (laughs) it. So it was really on the Kingdom Death levels. Oh my god! And I asked him about Kingdom Death, and he said, "I have all of the minis, but not the game."
1: What does that mean? Like, why? (laughs) Hold on. Was that like a joke about how he bought the game but he didn't want it? Like, he just wanted no, no. He
0: actually like. I guess he knows somebody that works works with kingdom death. So he was able Mm. to get a deal, but he actually bought all of the minis for the game from him.
1: That's pretty cool, because I think generally speaking, a lot of people were joking that kingdom death monster is a is a uh, a Kickstarter for a bunch of really cool minis disguised as a Kickstarter for a game. People (laughs) want to play
0: the game is just tacked on.
1: It's just like, uh, uh, yeah, we got these minis. Great. Like I it's I won't lie for. Part of my appeal of, or the appeal for me of, Unfathomable is just how cool those. um Thing looks really minis cool, look, yeah. But, and supposedly they're quite good too. But the, you know, Battlestar Galactica is just so famous for being this this gigantic, unwieldy mess of a trader game that everyone has these fond memories of. That you think, if someone can kind of come close and recreate it, and it supposedly better, stream yeah, it and look I guess it is a
0: good game. It's not like King, like what well, we're joking about, King of Death.
1: Which I haven't with played. Nemesis so I can't and say.
0: with Valstar Galactica, I think that the game itself, in its core, is actually quite good.
1: Yeah, and that's not even like I don't even hate Nemesis. I think we we had a good time when we played. It's just, I, I the trouble is, I think the if, if it comes down to dollars to donuts, is this going to be the the game you put on the table when you've got like a yeah. crew of four people who want to play like a a cooperative. Space horror game. I guess there's not too many of those, but <laughs> I guess like. Yeah. Well, if you know. really
0: like Aliens, and yeah. uh, I think they were really sold on this theme. Like, why would you play a game over and over and over again if you always lose? The reason yeah. why is every time they lose, they had really good stories out of it. And they hopefully like, they had a good time. And they too. were telling me all these really crazy things. You know, somebody. You know, managed to hoard and then escape on a on a escape pod. But then they checked their cards and they found out they were infected. And then they oh.
1: had to draw a certain <laughs> card, and an <laughs> alien popped out of their stomach, uh... and they thought they were away. And they... well, that's a great yeah. ending. That's that's basically yeah. like I'd say that's a a win by any stretch. Like at least say uh, uh, yeah. that's that's really good. Well, I'm surprised that your your sister purchased Nemesis. Like, how did she explain how oh, she no, got tricked into
0: universe. it? I think it's their neighbor. Oh,
1: okay. I thought it was your sister. I think.
0: Yeah, but it's, right. it, it gives me hope, though, you know, because there's this crew in BC who seems pretty, uh, say, uh, willing victims. Yeah, that's the best. <laughs> uh, you know, some potential to teach them some actual good uh, long games like an 18xx or, uh, dare I say, Civilization. Sort of, one
1: of, yeah. day. <laughs> I think it's it's... It's more likely than you think, especially if you can get a, a, a crew of willing people. And I think that's the issue is that generally speaking, I think most people are willing. But if you find if they can, if you can get people who have the time and the and the the curiosity, that's that's the a very important part. And the the patience to indulge you in something you you promise them or at least like you believe strongly you like, then I, I firmly believe that there's. There's a lot of room for you to at least give it a shot, and if you didn't like it, be honest or politely evade them for the rest of your life whenever they ask you to play. But it's still—that's what sell.
0: (laughs) If they don't like it the first time, yeah, it's gonna be way harder to get six people the second time.
1: It's—I—I have a hard time imagining that for Civ, though. I think with—with good teaching and as long as you're not playing too cutthroat. And I mean this in the sense of, like, I, I imagine with a bunch of new players for Civ, there's going to be very limited combat unless you get a bunch of wild men who are just like, I invade you! And that could be that could be interesting either way. But generally speaking, I really think that's the type of game that would really get the juices flowing and that ideally you'd have people later on kind of going, Joel, Joel I need to play it again. I want to play it again. I do this differently. more of that Civ? Yes, right into my veins. Well, no. that's good. So, We've got two minutes left. Uh, what else did you do in BC with regard to uh, your trip? And if there, did you visit up uh, Dave's shop?
0: I did pop into Dave's. He was just there by himself. Uh, they closed down the street around his place and made it kind of like a public green space. They put up some like ping pong and a bunch of other cool stuff. So that was as really it helped nice. his business, I think a little bit. Like at least for you know, like foot traffic, because a lot of people are going to that and then pop in. But he has converted almost. Entirely to collecting and
1: selling comics. Oh my God, that is something like that's the opposite of what on the shelf. <laughs> wow.
0: And the yeah, the collector comics like they're all sealed and they're going like coming and going for thousands, man. It's crazy. He said,
1: "What a business!" I came
0: in, and spent like thirty thousand dollars on comics.
1: What a business! That's I had no <laughs> idea. Incredible.
0: Yeah. Sam just yelled from the room that it was only one or two thousand. <laughs> but whatever. Thirty thousand sounds cooler.
1: It's fine, we'll, we'll accept that. That's something yeah. else. Cause I it's even the collector's stuff, it's I thought that was an industry people were just I, but I guess if you're just boring, selling I a guess. couple and uh, here and there, but wow. Interesting. Nerds All right, coming out of the woodwork. Speaking of nerds coming out of the woodwork, I'm leaving the woodwork. Thank you for <laughs> listening Android's Dungeon. Next week, full content as it stands check out because as of next week the uh oh, basically yeah exactly a week from now which is wednesday the snakes and lattes will be open so you can give it a shot if you're excited to try out the new location next of episode live on site live on site or at least uh live grumbling As I walk by and I just see all those games (laughs) on the shelf there that I think could have been... Ooh, we could get in there and (laughs) snag some of the games. (laughs) Anyway, I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Have a good one.
0: Bye.
2: I'm RIP. Good show.
1: Good quick show. All right, I think he's back. Uh, I ju- it just felt kind of like I was staring at the board sometimes, trying to f- like physically understand what I was looking at versus play the game at times. Uh, that could have just been maybe I was playing it in the bright sunlight of the summer or the spring, and just like it, it just wasn't popping. How long did it, it- take you? I think f- from start to finish, I think it took us about three and a half hours or something. Um, Pretty good. And I, I think, I think we, we, ca- we called it though because we. we oh, okay. It- it was just starting to get late, and uh, I think the dogs were starting to <laughs> get tired of what we were doing. So, but I could have easily seen it being like another hour and a half so, yeah, that's that's
0: about what we do. I think we started at eight thirty and finished just before one. Mm-hmm. So I guess these guys are always playing like tough guys because they to them, it's like you have to do your objective. If you don't do your objective, you lose.
1: No, no they're, they're probably totally right. It's just my understanding. or when I was playing it, just the objective was almost like, oh, if I manage to do this, great. <laughs> eh. but,
0: but was, okay. was how so many times did they played mind, it? But, yeah, so they've played it about four times and in their view of the game it was just like the game is so hard no one's ever succeeded huh. that was kind of their mentality so they have never won really uh, nemesis or like not even an in- individual of them has won with their secret objective so huh. i thought you know like if that's if you're having such a hard time why not just take out the secret objectives yeah, and just play the game one time, just straight up, so that you can actually yeah, yeah. do the research where you take the egg and the alien body and the human mm-hmm. body, and you take them to the lab, and you get those things because those weaknesses are like game-changing, massive things. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, anyway. that's it. Anyway, <laughs> I like the push and pull with regard to there are some games I think the traitor element is just kind of tacked on or not really there, and I think if you're playing it properly, that. You want to if you're let's say not necessarily the traitor in the sense of like um like let's say my objective is kill Joel. I don't want to immediately start a fight with him because great, I kill Joel, yeah. I still have to win the game. Everyone else is gonna <laughs> team up on you. Yeah, and it's and it's also like you're down a character. It's like you need to now it's gonna to be tougher than ever, perhaps. Ooh. So um well,
0: it, I don't know if you know this, but um when the first person dies the, uh, the AI goes crazy and all the escape pods
1: open up. Oh, is it when the so when some cuz I remember I thought like there's enough damage to the ship or something, the uh, the escape pods open There is open also
0: too. that. Like the self-destruct sequence hits yeah. a certain hits six <laughs> six turns or something.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's a neat game. It's just I think the issue is it's so bloody expensive and big it's So that expensive. Then it's The tough guy
0: to... the guy that was there had bought every little Add on and had dropped $800 on it. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> so it was really on I the kingdom death levels.
1: I'm Jack. I'm Joel. Thanks for listening. Have a good one. Bye. Thanks for listening.